Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Redner. The Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. Remember, it's the playoff time, and it is the perfect time to enjoy Labatt Blue as you're watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. Who's going to win more at Stanley's? Well, you're drinking Labatt Blue. Do you really care? You're just having a good time. It's fun. It's cool. It's refreshing. And as always, we ask that you please drink Labatt Blue Premium Beer responsibly. This is episode 109, and we're in Grand Rapids still, and our guest is the head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins, Ben Simon. Last time Ben was on this program was the 4th of July. We're both a couple of Americans, and we were celebrating the holiday together, sort of, on the phone. So it was kind of kind of a strange time. I think, Ben, you were, you were uh, welcome to the show. You were playing a big yep. barbecue. How did, how did the 4th celebration go for you? July 4th is big. Uh, we have a summer house on a lake, so July 4th is big with uh, all the boats and the fireworks on the lake. So, you know, I got to pre-celebrate with you. And then, uh, Beautiful. <laughs> did you enjoy a couple of bat blues? Or? I probably did have a couple of bat blues, I'm not going to lie. But, uh, yeah, no, it's always good to relax a little bit in the summer, and you're gearing up for the, the training camps and development camps, and then all of a sudden the season hits. You know, it, it was great having you on because you had just been named coach and and you were talking about it, but I want to begin with the la- what have the last couple of weeks been like for you uh, because so many guys from your roster, and you're in the uh, I guess you're in a playoff fighter. Back then, you were probably even a playoff fight with Chicago, who was going to be tops in your division. You lose so many. Was it trying? Does it challenge you as a coach? What again? You know, that's not redundant. What was it like? Yeah. Well, you know, rewind maybe two months ago, we were in a legitimate fight and a legitimate conversation to finish first in our division, and then. And you lose a few guys up to Detroit, and then you, you lose a few more, and then all of a sudden, you know, by the time you, you turn around, uh, we're missing eight or nine guys. So, uh, you know, that's the nature of the beast in the American Hockey League, and that's what you want is for your guys to get the opportunity to go play in the National Hockey League. That's what every player is playing here uh, aspires to do. You know, that's their boyhood dream of playing in the National Hockey League. So uh, as frustrating as it is, uh, you go home at night, you turn the TV on, and you, you're watching the Wings games, cheering for those guys and hoping that they do well. And uh, with that being said, that opens up opportunity for, for other players down here to maybe play in situations that they otherwise haven't or log a little bit heavier minutes that they haven't uh, received before. And, uh, you know, it's a good opportunity for those guys to, to kind of showcase what they can do. I'm kind of curious, as you keep losing guys and guys keep mm-hmm. going down in Detroit, does is it Ryan Martin who's almost apologetic here towards the end? It's, <laughs> sorry, Ben, we, we need some more guys. Yeah, No, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we're all pulling the same rope. We're all in the same organization. So uh, that's why we're here. You know, we are here for development purposes. And when they need a player, uh, they take our input and, you know, they value our input. Uh, quite a bit, but at the end of the day, they want to do what's best. They want to win games up there. They want to compete at the National Hockey Hockey League level, and Blash wants players that are going to help him win. So, uh, at the end of the day, you know, we have conversations. They make the call as to who's coming up, and uh, that's why we're here. So, there's no apologies. There's no. That's the nature of the beast down here. That's that's the way it goes. I'm kind of curious. How much input do you have? Like, if they're thinking they they have to bring somebody up, and mm-hmm. you know, you have a you know, you have a whole roster here. They go look. We are thinking among these four guys, we're thinking about two of them. What do you think? Do you have a lot of input or do you kind of let them do that? No, I, I give my honest opinion, my honest assessment as to, you know, say there you mentioned three or four players are considering, and I'll give my assessment as to how they're playing. And, 
you know, talked to Jeff a little bit there. You know, maybe he's looking for a guy that's he needs a center. And, you know, two of the guys there, four by default, that aren't centermen, they'll be kind of nicks from the conversation just because of position. Now, maybe he needs someone uh, more of a PK guy. You know, so then you narrow it down a little bit. Uh, you know, is it a defensive-minded D? Is it someone they need a little bit more offense? They want a physical guy. So, you know, it's no different than in football. If a quarterback goes down, you don't call up and replace him with right. a linebacker, you know, or a wide receiver. So it's a little bit positionally based, and you kind of try and identify what their needs are and try and line up uh, what the best fit is down here with who's playing well. And sometimes it's just down to, you know, this guy's playing really well. He deserves an opportunity. you got to give him an opportunity in some capacity up top there. You know, we're, we're doing this on Thursday, uh, the 11th of April, and we, we talked to Dennis, uh, Dennis Chalawski, and he his, his podcast is up now, so this will probably air on Thursday. We'll put it up on, the, or pardon me, on Saturday on the website. I'm under the assumption you need a point to qualify for the playoffs. You, hopefully you get it on Friday night against Manitoba uh, uh, here at Van Andel Arena. But with all that said, I know in the beginning of the year when I came to watch a couple of Griffin's games and, and, and talked to, to uh, Philip Zadina, uh, they were notoriously slow starters. Grand Rapids, for whatever it is, is yeah. slow. And uh, let's be honest, half of your defensive core was up in Detroit. So, I mean, it, obviously, but you picked it up, and now you're going through a little bit of a, a rough patch because you've lost so many guys. I'm not trying to make excuses, but, again, what has this season been like for you? I mean, you were a head coach before, and you, uh, before you became a, a Griffin's assistant. You were here for four years with Todd, and then, bam, now you're the – you know, you're the, the head man doing a great job, obviously, but has this been uh, trials and tribulations for you? Uh, I think a lot of, in a lot of regards, yeah, you're learning every day. I don't care if you've been a head coach for, for one year or for 20 years, you're learning every day. And I think this year posed a lot of different challenges that uh, maybe I haven't seen as a, either a head coach or as an assistant coach, just with the sheer number of uh, call-ups at the beginning of the year and injuries at the beginning of the year to kind of come in full circle towards the end of the year when we are missing a lot of guys. But uh Again, being a rookie head coach, uh, I, I learned a lot from a lot of good head coaches. So uh, using those experiences in the past and leaning on them and, and talking to people and calling people to ask their opinions on how they, how they dealt with stuff like this in the past. You, you lean on your assistants. You lean on uh, people that you've worked with. So uh, every day has been a challenge in, in different regards. And I think, uh, you know, as a coach, I think I've gotten better and improved just because of those challenges. Uh... When you get so many call-ups to Detroit, and then you walk into the room, and there's guys sitting there that are thinking, how did this guy go over me, or what are, what are the wings thinking, or God, I really am disappointed. Is that when you become a coach, obviously, an X and O's guy, but is that psycholo a psychologist? Because you know you're walking into a room where there's going to be, obviously, because they all want to be, as you said, in the National yeah. Hockey League, there's going to be some disappointment. How do you handle that? Well, you know, first and foremost down here, we've got a pretty tight group of guys. And in the past, you know, since in the four years that I've been here, uh, they've done a good job of, of signing and recruiting and drafting really good character people. So uh, more often than not, uh, guys are happy for when their teammates get called up. Um, but there, there have been times where, you know, maybe a player feels that he has deserved, uh, deserved it to go up and get the call and he doesn't get it. And and that's when you know you have to you realize that you put themselves you put yourself in, in their shoes. I was a player once. I was right. in their situation, and it is disappointing. It's disheartening, but 
you know that, that it's not going to do you any good if you're just frustrated and you're jealous and you're and you're not excited for your teammates. So you you just keep keep grinding and you hope that your call comes. You know, I realize that it's all individual basis. You know, treating players and stuff. You treat them like obviously like men, and you have respect mm -hmm. for them. Um, are there certain guys that you know are disappointed? Will you pull aside in your office? Will you talk to them about it, or do you let them, if they're that disheartened, say to, so to speak, come and talk to you? No, I think uh, I think the policy that's always been here, and I'm no different, is uh, it's an open door. So if you've got an issue, or you know you're frustrated, or you need to talk, you know that's why we're here. You know. Developing on the ice is one thing, but again, these are learning experiences for these players to, you know, to mature as people and mature as athletes and just in people as general. So, uh, you know, a lot of these guys are young kids growing up. So it's you know that's a big responsibility too that we don't take lightly here is to help these kids mature uh, both on and off the ice. So if there are any issues and people, you know, our players deal with all kinds of different. Uh, things away from the rink but you know that's part of our job too is to make sure these guys are managing their careers and with their careers it's their time away from the rink too yeah I, I Giovanni Smith is one of the uh, four prospects that is part of our blog series taking flight on the website on DetroitRedWings.com Joe Hickens is another one Jack Adams and then uh, uh, Joe uh, Valeno who plays in the Quebec League and Giovanni's blog was up and he was the last one who wrote and he did say something about look I'm happy when a guy gets called up that, you know, because we all want to be there and he's fulfilling a dream. Plus, it gives me opportunity. I know that I'm going to get more. There's ice time to be had, and I'm going to get some of that. Um, I would imagine we'll, we'll turn now. We'll ask you a couple of prospects, and then we'll get into, the you know, the hopefully a, a long, successful playoff run. But a guy like Giovanni, who I know just from doing the vlog series, started off real slowly, was away from home for the first time, uh, it appeared to me that when he went back home for Christmas and he was able to see his brother, who also now plays, in, I believe, in the Boston system, but originally by Dallas, that that kind of revived him. I mean, he kind of, you know, came back with renewed spirit and so much so that he was player of the month for the Griffins uh, last month. So I, I'm kind of curious, where where is he at? Because I know the Red Wings expect big things from him. He's big body, has skill can take care of himself. Yeah, I think Giovanni has grown up tremendously from the start of the year to, to where he is now, uh, where we sit now. But uh, with a lot of young guys, and Giovanni's no different, it, it's finding your routine and developing habits as a, as a pro. Um, you know, he's living on his own for the first time. He's He's got adult responsibilities. You know, He's got to pay rent. He's got to do his own laundry. He's got to make his own food. You know, His billet family's not there. Mom's not there. Dad's not there to cook for him. Uh, you know, so those are all things that he... Uh, through the course of the last eight months, uh, I think he's figured out a little bit and uh, realized it's not junior hockey where you just show up and you can outskill, you can outplay guys based on your sheer talent. And I think that he's realized that and he's grown up quite a bit as a, as a person. I think you're seeing that correlate a little bit to his game on the ice. And uh, like anything, it's confidence. When you get a little bit of confidence, it snowballs. When things aren't going well, uh, they can be, you know, they can snowball the other way. So I think that. Uh, I think he's done a lot of growing up, both on the ice and off the ice. Encouraged, then, I would imagine. Be, you know, he says, listen, I knew that I was going to be a long-term project. I knew I was going to step into the Revenue lineup overnight. I mean, he, he did say that. But deep down, don't they all just believe that, I mean, you be, you being a player, yeah. that 
hey, I'm good enough. I'm going to be in the NHL. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, you you, you come out of your, all these players that are playing for the Griffins at one point, more often than not, were one of the best players on their college team or their junior team. Now you're getting all those best players from the college teams, all the junior teams. Now you're factoring, okay, now we got some Europeans coming that were good players on their European teams. Now all of a sudden you're going from the big fish in a little pond to now it's uh, it's tightened up quite a bit and there's a lot more competition. So uh, I remember when I was in college, I came out of college, I was a pretty good college hockey player as a senior. I thought I was going to make the Atlanta Thrashers right out of camp. And right. Atlanta was an expansion team. They were terrible. And I went to my first camp. I was probably the first guy to get sent down. And I knew it was a shock for me. I thought I was ready to play in the NHL. And I knew right away that, okay, I got a long ways to go. So it's a little bit of a shock for, for players. And, again, uh, the expectations, the and it's changed quite a bit now nowadays with, with the media hype and the – you know everyone that's so excited and the the energy behind it that you got to kind of temper that a little bit and the expectations are you know they're high to start with but again you you really don't know what the player is until you know after a couple months yeah i know you've only had him for nine games the red wings signed him out of the university of maine chase pearson mm-hmm. uh he was captain i believe the last two years at the university of maine and we're talking about a kid who's a sophomore and junior kind of a luke glendening kind of guy uh, uh I would imagine you must like what you see. I know the organization has leadership. How is he adapting to the pro game? Well, you could tell right off the bat that Chase is a pretty mature kid, and uh, he's a big guy, uh, big body, can skate pretty well. He's a pretty cerebral player. Um, when he, you know, came right out of school, has played his first game in Texas, met us on the road in Texas, and uh, is really kind of integrated into our team pretty well. And he's gotten better. Uh, every game that he's played here so that's encouraging when you're improving on a daily basis and you're showing daily signs of uh, improvement in different facets of your game so uh, he's got a bright future ahead of him and we're looking forward to seeing what he can do and you know he signed a I guess a contract with Grand Rapids and then his two-year entry-level deal with the Red Wings doesn't start till till next season so I mean he has an opportunity to make the Red Wings certainly next year or he will be here in Grand Rapids. Yeah, well, a lot of college kids do that. They'll come out and instead of you know burning a year of your contract, they sign an ATO and it's uh, almost like a top shelf agreement. And it kicks in next year, but uh, it gives it, it's a good uh, good way for the organization to give the kid a test of what pro hockey is going to be like, so that when they come back next year, you know, should Chase be here, he knows what to expect uh, with the coaching staff. He knows a little bit about the city and how to get around and. That way, when he, if and when he is sent down, there's a little bit less of an acclimation period and a little bit more, or you know, a little bit less of uh, a learning curve right off the bat. Yeah, I, I you know, this might be unfair, but I know that you, you know, you were part of, you know, certainly all the camps and everything that that the Red Wings training camp, prospects tournament, development camp, all that. Uh, uh, Michael Rasmussen was here for three games. Uh, you know, talk about a guy who's had a little bit of an up and down year. He showed flashes and brilliance. It, and again, this might be unfair, only three games, but when he came back from Grand Rapids after his rehab stint, he was looked like a little bit of a different player. He's only 19 years old, kind of levels off, but your, your assessment of Michael? Uh, again, another very mature kid. Uh, kind of been forced to, I think maybe forced to mature a little bit too quickly, but uh, he's a kid that takes his career very seriously. And you can tell that just in his, his demeanor on the ice, at the rink, with uh, how he conducts himself uh, amongst his teammates. Uh, he wants to be an NHL player, and you can see that right away. 
but again, like when, when he came down here, he was determined to uh, focus. Uh, you know, he was determined to to make sure that he was making the most of the probably getting a lot more ice time down here. And uh, you know, he didn't come down here knowing that he was going back up and all. But he came down here, didn't have one toe in the water. He jumped with both feet in and bought in with what we were doing in the time that he was here. And uh, obviously, when you're coming down here, you're you know. You, Played well down here, so you take that experience down here, and you hopefully build a little confidence so that when he goes back up to Detroit, he's he's better fit and he's he's ready to go. Uh, another player that I believe now is 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 playing for Toledo, is playing for Dan Watson down in Toledo, um, but Red Wings signed him last year out of college. David Pope, he played 28 games so far for the Griffins, uh, a couple of goals, three points total, minus one. A uh, guy who has a great shot. Uh, you know, when you look at that and the high expectations, you sort of think, well, it's all an adjustment. We all mature differently. Is that what's going on with David right now? Well, again, every player develops and matures at different times. Some people take a little bit longer to figure out. Some people, it, it clicks right away and they take off uh, a lot quicker. But I think uh, I think this year for David was a little bit frustrating and uh never really got a lot of traction with being in the lineup on a consistent basis. So then when you're put in, now you're trying to do maybe a little bit too much and sometimes that backfires. Mm -hmm. um, but for, for a kid like David, uh, again, he's just got to continue to focus on competing on a, on a daily basis and uh, his footwork, he can shoot a puck, no question. He had goal scoring success at the college level, but sometimes at the college level, you're not going to be the same player, so you got to find a way to stick in the lineup and, you know, make the most. If you're, see, you're plugged into the fourth line, you got to be the best fourth line, or find a way to stay in the lineup. And then from there, you gain the coach's trust and maybe get bumped up to the second line or the third line. And then all, you, you got to continue to build that trust and build your resume a little bit as a player, and then all of a sudden you do become that player that you were in college. So it, it's a process, and you know we're not closing the doors on David Pope. He's down to Toledo to go play and get some confidence and be put in situations that he was playing in college and use that to springboard. Hopefully it could be this year in playoffs, it could be next year. Well, the one good thing about uh, about the Red Wing organization is, is they view Toledo just they're part of the organization. Some guys look like they're being banished when they go to the ECHL. That is not the case in the with the Red Wings. Yeah, no, not the case whatsoever. I mean, if you look at the the players that Detroit has sent down to Toledo uh, in recent years, uh, a lot of them gone on to play in the NHL. So, uh, some organizations uh, they they treat it a different way, but uh, Detroit treats it as you know, we're sending guys down there to go play and gain a lot of playing experience. They've got a great facility down there. They've got good coaches down there. Uh, it's close to Detroit, so they can go see and play down there. And uh, again, it's it's not like you're being outcast. And a lot of that has to do with uh, how the player perceives it too. Now, as a player, if you go down there and you think that you're being banished or you think that you're being you know, punished or penalized, then that's the wrong attitude to go down there with. You got to go down there and embrace it and, and make the most of it so that uh, you're, you're playing your way out of that league. Yeah, every player I've ever talked to, especially that are playing for the Griffins, and, you know, again, I'm going to use Giovanni a lot because obviously, uh, you know, he's down here and this is his, you know, his first year as a pro, and uh, he says, you know, I, you know, uh, Ben, you know, is. is 
I, I got to get his trust. I got to get his trust. And now he's trusting me more. I wonder if they sometimes think it's a catch-22. You don't come right out and say, I don't trust you. you yeah. know? But but then they but they look at it and they think, well, how can I gain your trust if you're not playing me? But Yeah, it's a double-edged sword for sure. Yeah. But you have familiarity and you've got a bigger, uh, I guess, a bigger sample size with some of the older guys or maybe the players that have proven themselves a little bit more but yeah I would agree with you to a certain extent that yeah how do I get that opportunity you know how do I prove that to you if I'm not afforded the opportunity so again it's when you do get the opportunity you make the most of it right. and you know hopefully the coach takes note of it right so and, and that and that's really that's that's really what it comes down to uh, you know sometimes players think well especially younger players well this is not my it's out of my hands you know I can only do so much but then the, it kind of kicks in with even if I get a minute of ice time, I've got to make the yeah, most of that one that's minute. That's got to be the best minute of my, yeah, <laughs> right, of right. my game. So, right. and again, that's you know that's another learning curve for some of these younger players. They're maybe used to playing a lot more and being a really go-to guy for their junior, their college team. All of a sudden, their role may change. Their minutes are a little bit different. You've got to really make sure that the the time that you get, you're making the most of. How how many guys actually get it maybe from the get-go, and how many guys do you have to? Maybe much to your like amazement, have to almost hammer on the head with it. <laughs> yeah, no, every player is different. Some people are they're different learners. You know, some some players are better if you show them through video. Other players are better if you show them on a dry erase board and with X's right. and O's. And other players, you 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 have to show them on the ice. You know, right. you physically show them. This is what I want. You know, stick because you actually physically show them. So every player is different in how they receive a message and how receptive they are in different uh, different ways and that's our job as coaches is to try and find the best way the most efficient way to, to get the point across to the players that they are learning they are developing you know, I don't want to keep you so long because I can go on forever with you I mean <laughs> I just enjoy I love talking to coaches or you know maybe I'm a frustrated coach or something deep down or but I love the psychology too because you have very high-end talent you know these guys are all pretty accomplished as you said yeah. most of them when they get to this level where their best guy uh, best guy on the team in, in junior or in college depending on their background um, but I want to move on and talk about a couple of more guys and up, up first is uh, uh, Dominic Turgeon uh, always called up when they always need a penalty killer uh, you know, we had him on the podcast last year you know obviously he has a great pedigree why his father's not in the Hall of Fame, I, I just don't know, but we'll save that for another time. But how is Dom doing this year? Yeah, I think Dom, his numbers are down this year if you look at uh, sheer terms of offensive output. But, again, he's just a, he's a dependable guy defensively. Uh, you know what you're going to get. And that, as a coach, you can't, you can't ask for anything more. Like, uh he gives everything he has. Uh, I think this year a little bit of his uh, slow start could be attributed to the fact that his, you know, last year's season was cut short because of the blood clot in his, mm -hmm, his arm right. and his shoulder, and you know he had to work really hard to get back just in time for training camp. So I don't know how much he was able to work out this summer, how much he's able to skate because of that, and uh, that might be one of the attributing factors to the slow start. But again, he's always been a solid penalty killer. He He's embraced that role. Uh, he's at his best when he, and you can tell when Dom's dialed into a game or not. If he's, you can tell right off the bat with his faceoffs. And if he's winning faceoffs, he's engaged. He's an effective player. Uh, I want to ask you about Joe Hicketts. 
Uh, you know, Red Wing fans love him. You know, I mean, how can you not root for a guy who's like five foot two? Sorry, Joe, just joking. <laughs> but, but, Must be a good day if you're calling him five two. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he, he is. He, he leaves it all out on the ice. Whatever he has, he's going to give it to you. Uh, Transitional, a big year for him. Organizational-wise, he had a shot. Didn't look like he's going to get called up. More injuries. He came back. Red Wings always like him. They always say great things about him. Mm-hmm. I would imagine he's great in the room. Where do you think he stands at this point? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, JoJo, he has an, an infectious personality. He is a he, he's a boisterous happy-go-lucky kid who works his tail off and he's had to work his tail off because of his size he's he's never let anyone tell him he's too small he's never let anyone tell him that he'll never play in the NHL he's always been told he can't do this so and you know credit to Joe he's really dug in and he's made a name for himself and uh, he's he's a big part of the success you know success in recent years that we've had here because of his his work ethic his compete level and his infectious personality guys like being around him yeah, right. I mean, he. I. I jokingly say that, regardless of where his career takes him, that he's a future mayor of Grand Rapids. I mean, <laughs> he's beloved yeah. in this city. Yeah. Well, it's hard not to root for a guy like that. Right. So, uh, you know, good things are going to happen to Joe, uh, regardless. You know, in his hockey career, I hope he continues on the trajectory that he's at. Uh, and you know, if and when hockey's done for him, you can just tell that he's got a personality that. It's going to drive him to to be successful in, in any capacity that he chooses in life. Uh, I, I want to talk a, a, a little bit about the goaltending situation, and then I, there's still a couple more prospects, and then we'll kind of wrap it up with the Griffins, uh, uh, the season and the, the playoffs and how you're looking forward to it. At this point, we're not sure exactly who you'll play. I guess it would either be Iowa or Milwaukee. I think that's how it breaks down. There's a lot of different uh, really? possibilities still as we sit here on Thursday. We have two games left. I think every team has two games left except for Manitoba, who we're playing tomorrow. They've got three games right. left. So there's uh, we're sitting right now in second. Uh, Milwaukee is in third, but then you got a tie, pretty much a logjam, between Texas, Iowa, Manitoba for the remaining spots. So uh, it's – and Rockford still is – you know, they still right. have some hope based on, you know, wins. and they need, they need a little help. But, again, we're, you know, planning on first round – travel and who we're playing and everything and there I think four different scenarios that we have to still plan for well we'll be here often and you know I'm expecting a long playoff run but we'll get we'll get into that but uh, uh, I want to ask you you know now now Harry Satari or Harry Satari if, if I English it uh, <laughs> boy, well, that's great grammar uh, but I know the Red Wings liked him, and then he signed with Florida, but they eventually were able to, to, to nail him. He's a little bit older, uh, mm-hmm. but goaltending with, you know, Jimmy is, is on a year-to-year contract now, Bernier a couple more years. I know uh, you haven't seen him yet, but he's probably going to be maybe even a Griffin next year. Philip Larson, who's tearing it up at the University of Denver right now. Uh, your impressions of, of Sateri? Uh, Harry's biggest attribute is he competes. He competes on a daily basis. He competes for pucks uh, during games. He doesn't quit on plays. He is a phenomenal competitor. Now, sometimes that competitive nature can can take him out of plays at times, and uh, it's frustrating at times with that because he looks 
to be out of position at times, but you know, I'm not a goalie coach. I don't profess that. All I care about is if you stop the puck. Right, 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 <laughs> I don't right, care right, how right, you right. do it, but just right. stop the puck. But I know that he's, uh, you know, he's got a he's a really driven guy. He, he's a consummate professional. He works his tail off, and uh, he's been a great teammate for our organization so far. Yeah. Uh, then his first year pro, um, Patrick Reber or Rebar. Uh, I, I've heard like several different uh, sayings. How has he adapted to the North American game in his first year as a professional? Well, it's almost polar opposites. It's funny because uh, he's a quiet kid. He's calm, demeanor. He doesn't get rattled that much. Uh, doesn't talk a lot, but he's got a he's got a nice, unique personality. But uh, again, nothing really rattles him. Like he's pretty patient. He's pretty uh, relaxed and. Sometimes you want to, you know, check his heartbeat, but that's that's a great attribute to have because he doesn't get too high of the highs and too low of the lows. Though most head coaches kind of take a back off approach to goaltenders mm-hmm. for the most part. Even Jeff Blaschel, who you know by his own admission was not a very good goaltender at Ferris State, but he was still a goalie. But <laughs> well, I, if I could score a Blash in college, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, all, all kidding aside. So, so Brian Mahoney Wilson is the guy that you try to get most of your feedback. I would imagine the, the development goaltending coach for the entire organization, but based here in Grand Rapids. Yeah, no, Beamer's done a great job. Uh, he puts a lot of time into these guys with a lot of video, a lot of the on ice stuff. Uh, I trust Brian uh, completely with what he's doing with these goalies. He he develops relationships with these guys uh, during the season, over the summer, gets to know these guys like that. He does a tremendous job uh, at what he does. So. I value his input uh, a lot, and I trust him uh, with his assessment. And, uh, you know, we've got tough decisions to make sometimes on a nightly basis during the year, like who's the better guy to go with. Right. Uh, he's got he's got a great pulse on these guys, and uh, I think both guys uh, understand Brian's personality as well. Ben, why do you think head coaches like to keep their distance from goalies? Is it because they're weirdos? or More often than that, they are weirdos. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is almost uh, – yeah, it's a taboo it's, subject. The goalies, right. it's, it's uh, you like don't, a superstition yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. God, I can't get near the goalie. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's changed over the last few years, and that's just kind of they've kind of isolated themselves a little bit. But you know what? Both our guys, at the end of the day, they're they're, they're both great teammates. They both push push each other in practice, and uh, you know, both have been key parts to to get us to the point where we're at. You know, I want to then go back into a couple more players that I wanted to ask you about. Um, I, I believe he'll be in, in Detroit next year, but let's begin with Philip Aronik. Uh, you know, pretty impressive. You, you, some growing pains at the NHL level, but towards the end, as the Red Wings season was winding down, he certainly looked like one of their better defensemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I Big fan of his. I think Red Wing fans are a big fan of his. Uh, still the sky the limit for him? I think so. He's so young. And he's already played a, a lot of NHL games. He was forced into a lot of bigger minutes this year because of the injuries in Detroit. Uh, but I also think that he made the most of the opportunity up there that was afforded to him. Um, down here, you know, when he's playing here, uh, he he's an emotional, passionate player that is at his best when he's playing with controlled emotion, and uh, he competes. So he, he plays with an edge, uh, phenomenal vision, uh, makes plays with the pucks. Uh, he shoots the puck pretty well, and uh, he, he's got high expectations for himself. So uh, when he's down here, he, he's really driven to, to play his way out of this league and 
wait for that call to get called back up. Uh, another defenseman, Libor Sulak, who the Red Wings thought were ve was very athletic, that they liked. He started the season in Detroit, then came down here. I was happened to be here his first day at, at practice as a Griffin, and he was looking forward to coming down here and learning his game, learning his craft. How has he adapted? Uh, Julie has been uh, a little bit, took a little bit longer to, to get going here uh, at the beginning of the year, but again, it's a first time in North America. It's a different sized arena, uh, different language, different city, different coaches. So there's certainly an acclimation period for a guy coming over for the first time. And uh, he's progressed nicely. The, his biggest attribute is his skating ability. He can skate like the wind, uh, where he gets into troubles, where he tries to do too much with the puck at times. I think he's gotten better at reading plays here and knowing when to when to jump in the play, when not to, when to try to do too much, when to make plays, and when to make a simple play and live the fight another day. When uh, Have you seen that athleticism? Because that was the first thing that everyone said was is we didn't believe he was as athletic, meaning I, I guess he's just just a good athlete. I mean, have you seen that in him? Has that translated to the ice? He is a phenomenal athlete, and you can see that correlation uh, on the ice because of his skating ability. And uh, he's got tremendous uh hand-eye coordination he's he's gotten better defensively and uh anytime you've got a good athlete that that cares which he does uh, it's, it's a good recipe for good potential you know our producer andrew christoph who's here uh, in the room too and uh he loves this guy this is one of his all-time favorite players always rooting for him Vili sariarvi how's how's Vili uh, uh doing Vili, you know he's been the beneficiary I think uh, of the number of injuries that Detroit had at the beginning of the year and the, the call-ups at the end of the year. And then obviously we had a, a veteran uh, issue here with too many vets. So he was able to a certain extent, uh, was given a lot more games or, or minutes because of that. Now, that being said, he he's had his moments of, of good hockey and he's had some moments of uh, taking his licks a little bit. But again, Billy's a smaller size guy. He's at his best when he's keeping things simple. He's got great deception going back on pucks, and he's had to have that good deception because he's a smaller guy. He's had to learn, uh, lean on his skating ability to, to escape uh, defenders that are bigger, stronger, and they're only going to get bigger and stronger as he goes up levels. But uh, he's another kid who he's, he's, he's got to maintain his confidence. He can't get too down when things aren't going well. Uh, when he's confident, he's making plays. He's a very effective player, and again, he's young as well. So. Yeah, I don't know where you stand on the plus-minus statistic, but he's a plus-19, mm -hmm. which I think leads the team, yep. leads the Griffins. Is I mean, obviously, it's a good thing to be a plus yeah, player. I understand bad, that, but yeah. but is 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 and I'm not trying to take anything away from his plus-19. Yep. Is it a little misleading the the plus-minus stat? I mean, do you have to really hone in and find out? Look, if he just stepped onto the ice and a goal, you know, the, we happen to score a power play goal, but he, or not a power, but a goal five on five and. You know, he, he had nothing to do with that, or vice versa. He had nothing to do if we give one up if he just stepped on the ice. I mean, I, I'm just kind of curious because this plus yeah. minus, I hear great things about it and I hear bad things about it. Well, again, you'd like to think the hockey gods would even things out. So even if you weren't a part right. of it and you're a beneficiary right. of it at one point and sometimes right. you step on the ice and you had nothing to do with it, life has a funny way with those things. So you think it's a legitimate statistic, I, that I plus 19? I think when you look at it, yeah, I, I do. Like, more often, maybe there's your outliers here or there, but, I mean, Philly's been – sound defensively he's made simple plays and again he's had his moments of 
uh, of great hockey this year. And again, uh, when he hasn't played well, sometimes it's not ending up in the back burnet. So that's not a bad thing when it isn't. You know, and this is unfair. When people see somebody who's a smaller player, they lump everybody together. So they're thinking, well, he's Joe Hicketts. They're different players. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, JoJo is small as he, small as he is. If you were to throw him into a corner with uh, Dylan McGrath, he's going to try and outmuscle Mac. He's going to try and fight Mac. Whereas Billy, he's going to go into that corner, and he's not going to have the same approach. He's going to try and outsly him. He's going to try and uh, fake him one way and, and escape the other. So it's just a different uh, approach to the game. Got both effective, but both different mindsets. Both different players. Uh, I, I wanted to turn to Dennis uh, Chalosky. He. Uh yeah, we talked to him. We, you know, he's the most recent podcast before before we put this one up, and uh, you know, started off great in Detroit. Uh, you know, he admitted on the podcast that on the Red White Authority, you know, my minus twenty kind of did me in, <laughs> and I had to come back here <laughs> uh, or come here for the first time. Actually, it's his first year pro. But Dennis seems to have adapted. He's a real heady kid. He's a real bright kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's an intellectual. I, 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 you know, that's that's the term that I would use. How has he adapted? Because I know he had to be pretty disappointed when he was sent down here. Well, it, it's tough to to make, let alone stick, uh, with an NHL club as a 20 year old rookie. So, uh, you know, he was. Put in, I won't say an awkward position. He, he earned his way onto that team in training camp. He played mm-hmm. phenomenal out of training camp, but as a 20-year-old kid playing against men, he's he's coming from playing against, you know, 18, 17-year-old kids to playing against guys that are 33, 34 strong, grown men that are doing this for a living. So uh, it's tough to to maintain that for an 82-game schedule, and you know, unfortunately. They thought it'd be, you know, unfortunately for Dennis, it, it's it's great for us. But sometimes it's it's a good thing to come down here and get some confidence. So if you're if you're going up there and you're getting danced and, and you're not having success and your confidence is down low, sometimes it's great to come down here and, and try and uh, hit the reset button and, and, and get your confidence back to where it should be. You know, because he's such a thinker at times, I think that maybe he gets in trouble where he just rationalizes to a point where he has it kind of figured out. And he said, you know. I've been told, and I realize this myself, that I've got to raise my intensity level. Not that he doesn't take it seriously, yeah. but he's got to know, boom. Um, but I, I want to ask you, can you coach? Can you teach aggression how to be aggressive? Or uh, is that a real difficult thing? And I'm asking a real intangible here, Ben. Yeah. But, you know, I, well, I think Dennis's biggest attribute can be construed as his biggest deficiency. So, you know, and Dennis makes a play and he's got great poise he holds on to the puck and he makes a great pass everyone says wow did you see that play but then maybe the next play he does the same thing holds on to the puck great poise and he turns the puck over right. people are like well that's soft he didn't make a hard play there well can you have it both ways right so exactly. great point uh you know that's a tough uh tough argument there but on the defensive side of things with, with Dennis his you know, biggest focus, and he's improved steadily since he's been here, is just being a little bit more engaged, ending plays a little bit quicker, being a little bit more physically involved, and uh, I, I think he's done that nicely. Uh, you know, again, this is, uh, you know, I keep saying this is an unfair question. You treat all these guys the same. They're all your players. They're, they're, they all go to, you know, battle for you, if you will. But when you have high-end caliber talent, uh, 
not that you coach them differently, but the expectation levels of the organization, does that put kind of added pressure on you when you're when you're coaching a high-end guy? Or do you just have a job to do, which is to coach the Grand Rapids Griffins and let the chips fall where they may? No, I, I think you hold everyone... To, you hold everyone accountable to to the parameters of their role. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I have different expectations for uh, Philip Zadina than I do for Chris Terry. Um, but that being said, as an organization, uh, there, there's two mandates: is you develop, and you want to develop in a winning environment. So, uh, I think winning is a skill. You have to learn how to win. Uh, I think Detroit wants winners, and uh, that's what we try and do here. We try and make sure that players. Uh, are learning, are developing on a daily basis, and doing so in a, in a winning culture. I think that that's uh, that that's beneficial for for both parties, for all parties involved. But I think you treat players. I wouldn't say you treat them the same. I, th- I think you hold them accountable to the to the same standard that they're expected of, and uh, you have to find a way to treat them to get to them. Well, finally, I'll ask you the last player I'll ask you about. And then, if there, obviously, if there's somebody else that you would like that, that I've missed, because I feel like I'm, I'm short shifting some guys here because of the, of the time limit. But uh, Phillips Adina, uh, you know, guys like me had him penciled in. He's going to make the Red Wings and be yeah. a 35 goal scorer as, you know, as a raw rookie. Uh, he seems to have adapted. He has a great attitude, he didn't sulk or anything like that. He has that brashness still. He was up in Detroit for those nine games and you know, seemed to come on. And I think the Red Wings were very impressed with how he had progressed here in Grand Rapids, which was a testament to you as a coach and you know, this, the, the, the Griffins organization too, and him as a player. Uh, you know, we call him, affectionately call him the Phil because uh, there's already a Z in Detroit. <laughs> but, 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 but the Phil... Uh, I'm hoping he, you know, he gets a shot next year. Not that I want to take him off the Grand Rapids roster, but how has this rookie year been for him? Well, again, you're dealing with uh, he's an 18 year old kid to start the year. So again, we were talking earlier about uh, some of these other kids coming out of college and juniors on their own for their first time. Now you're talking about an 18 year old kid right. uh, doing all these things in a different country, in a different city, no mom and dad around, uh, living on his own for the first time. Uh, it's tough. So uh, I don't know about you, what you were doing at age 18, but I sure wasn't you know, being paid to play professional hockey, living on my own. I was struggling at the time. My shoes didn't get to class on time. Uh, so I recognize that. So a little bit of a slow start in learning the game. Uh, but I think credit to him. He's really bought in. He, he cares about his career. He likes to watch video. He, he comes to rink every day. He's usually the last one off the ice. Uh, you got to drag him off the ice some days. And he went up to Detroit, and I thought I uh, got better every game that he played. And then, you know, coming back down here, I think it's going to be, you know, this last little stretch here. I think he's found out that as games get tighter, uh, coming down the playoff, you know, push here, when, when push comes to shove, it's a lot harder to score goals. It's a lot tighter. There's not a lot more, you know, there's not a lot of space. So, again, he's going through this year a lot of firsts. So, He's going to be better for it in the long run, and uh, you know he, he he demands a lot of himself. He's got high expectations of himself, and I think that he's matured nicely as as a player and as a person throughout this year. You know, it's it's funny you would bring up. I don't know what you were doing at eighteen. I don't I, want to know. Don't tell me. I can remember being a freshman <laughs> in college, and Michigan's football team was very very good back then, and they had a true freshman by the name of Rick Leach was their starting quarterback, and I can remember sitting in the stands. 
and people just like booing him, you know, like this guy, yeah. you know, he's not good and all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, like you said, I can barely tie my shoes. And this, guy, <laughs> this guy's playing in front of 100,000 people. We have a tendency to forget because the expectation level we put on these guys is extraordinary. And they're just, first of all, they're just people, yeah. which we tend to forget. And True. secondly, they're very young. Yeah. And it's... You know, you as a coach, I think, understand that, and you kind of realize, and you went through it yourself. So is that maybe the frustrating part that you have or someone that's involved in an organization knows how it works, where the outsiders, you know, people that, you know, everyone's expecting, well, geez, Ben, boom, 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 boom. You know, I'm not talking about the Red Wing organization. It's just maybe, and I'm not knocking fans here because that's just human nature, but is is that really difficult where you say, yeah, I understand we all want them to be great, but, yeah, you know, you got to give it some time. No, you do, and you, you can't fault the fans for being excited, for being passionate and, you know, wanting to see these guys make it, but, you know, they've got to temper expectations and realize that you know, the, sometimes these kids take a little bit longer to, to figure themselves out, and sometimes uh, some kids take a little bit longer to, to develop. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think Detroit has done a phenomenal job uh, of, of making these kids you know, cut their teeth down here and, and learn the skills of playing pro hockey. And then when the time's right, they reward the kids and they, they make sure that they're ready so when they do call them up to Detroit, they're not coming back down. You know, I always call the Grand Rapids Griffins the model franchise of the AHL, and I am biased. But uh, how important this playoff run, Calder Cup, everybody is kind of bunched in together. There's all kinds of playoff scenarios. You only have two games left. You, know, yeah. you figure it kind of shakes out by this time. It has not. Uh, I, I know you're looking forward to it. I know we are. I know Red Wing fans and Griffin fans certainly, but Red Wing fans are looking forward to it. This team is a front and center in this Detroit organization, everybody is looking towards Grand Rapids right now and hoping, and Toledo too, to a certain degree. Yep. Uh, I know Dan Watson and his club is going through a playoff battle as well. Uh, how big is this for the Detroit organization to have a successful playoff run? And how important is it for some individual players like a Zadina, uh, a, a, a Chalowski, Joe Hicketts? I mean, how important is it for them? Well, playoff hockey's it's different than the regular season and like we talked about earlier it's things are tighter things are harder uh, to experience that for these young prospects to go through that uh, is huge for their careers now uh, we've kind of been in this playoff push the last 10 games so mm -hmm. we've kind of been in that mode for a little bit and guys are kind of figured out getting a little taste of it the last month here but we've got to make sure we get in first and foremost then once we get in you know these kids are gonna they're gonna look back in 10 years and, and with fond memories, hopefully, of you know their first playoff run and their first time that they've experienced this, and you and lean on those later down the years when hopefully Detroit's in the playoffs and doing that, that they're learning and they lean on these experiences and drawing on these experiences to, to help them continue success at the NHL level. Because it's been guys have been pulled in and out, you've lost so many on your roster. Yet, as we've said earlier, it gives opportunity to some of the guys who were still here in Grand Rapids, mm -hmm. even though it's a little disheveled right now. Can what's happened to you as a coach and to this team the last couple of weeks only benefit you in the playoffs? I think so. I think every every experience you have, whether it's good times or bad times, you, you draw and you lean on and you you make sure that uh, make sure that you're growing in some way, shape, or form. Now, 
uh, I've learned a lot about myself, a lot about my players this year. I think our players have learned a lot about themselves. Uh, I, I think a lot of them have developed greatly this year. And you know, if we put ourselves in the conversation, the biggest thing is just getting into the dance. And from that point, uh, anything can happen. So uh, I look back when we won the Calder Cup in 2017. I think we finished the year uh, three and ten or three and seven in our last ten games. So we went through the same kind of downward slope a little bit towards the end of the year then all of a sudden something clicked and we got a little bit of confidence and we just kind of ran with it so uh you know again i'm leaning on those experiences right, going right, through right. that here so exactly. uh you know hopefully you know you look at the experiences that these guys are getting now and hopefully in the playoffs that further down the road they're going to be looking at this year and these experiences this year to to make sure that they're you know continuing to grow as players well ben simon i want to I know it's a little bit premature. The season isn't over, and we want a long playoff run because you're going to see me and especially Andrew because he's a Griffin freak here. Uh, uh, you know, th throughout throughout the playoff run. Uh, uh, but congratulations on a good first season as head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins. Oh, thank Be you. Regardless of what happens, I think you've done a, a, a great job. Your roster is it seems like you've had like a hundred guys uh, uh, play for you this year, which is can't be can't be easy. Uh, but uh, continued success. Thanks for joining us on the Red and White Authority and I promise maybe I'll let you alone this fourth of July. Maybe <laughs> I won't. <laughs> I, I won't hold you to it. I won't. All right, thank you very much for All being right. here, Ben. Thanks, really appreciate sir. it. I appreciate it. Thank you.